This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I've been dreading this day. I've been dreading this day for weeks, if not months. Um, I know why. I've been dreading the day that why. we learned. Okay, wait. Well, okay, let, let's test it. Let, how well do you know your significant other? Why, why have I been dreading the day that Nikola Jokic, that we learned that he would, in fact, be the 13th member of the back-to-back NBA MVP club? Why have I been dreading it? Because a guy who goes out in the first round wins the award, a guy who some people feel like should have won it is still playing, and how valuable can he be if his team lost in the first round and it becomes a bashing of a guy for his playoff performance and we've ignored the regular season? So am I A, that predictable, B, you agree, (laughs) or C, both? No, 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 no. I would say um, it's B. It's B. I know you that I agree. One. Yeah. And C, yeah. I'm going to add C. I know you well. I know you well. Yeah. So, uh, and I knew this was going to happen. I can see it happening already uh, on social media. I happen to work uh, with my, my other job. I happen to work with the Philadelphia 76er fan, and he's already been at it on Twitter talking about going at the NBA voters, the anonymous NBA voters. He don't even know. He probably can't name two voters, but he's going at the voters because now he says they made the same mistake with Joel and B that they did with Steve Nash. And and I'm going to reject that line of thinking. I'm going to reject that one. Steve Nash. Oh, so now you know what? Mike is even worse. At least with Embiid, he just played in the playoffs. Steve Nash is being dragged for what he did in the playoffs as a coach. <laughs> and then going back. Right. To well, well but, even, but, he, but, but I know even it happened this time. Yeah, I no, I mean, listen. So can, can't the NBA do something about this timing? Because this happens every year. Yeah. Every single year this happens. Where Because yeah. I, think, I think the number, if I'm not mistaken, is three of the last 19 NBA MVPs have gone on to win the championship. It don't take that long to cast ballots. You can you can right. do it. You can do a Twitter poll in seconds. Like how long does it take to count up ballots and determine that Nikola Jokic is MVP? Like why does it take that long? Like we, he's already been eliminated, which I say again to me, let us further know how valuable he was to a Denver Nuggets team that was missing both Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. pretty much all season. Okay. Yeah. So his value should have been highlighted in that Warriors series in the first round. But it just so happens that we get the news after after Joel Embiid, who we'll get to in a minute. Joel Embiid comes in, rides to the rescue. Who is that masked man? Now that series is 2-2. Meanwhile, Giannis goes for, wait, let me make sure I don't don't shortchange him, 42-12-8 the last time we saw him. So that doesn't help. Like, can't, can't we do this like... 
two or three days after the end of the regular season, so we don't have to see this shit. You know, I mean, like, I just I, I, like why? Here we go. Why? Is he is he is he really that great? He should get back to back MVPs. First of all, it's not like it's it's a, it's an incumbent thing, like it's an election. As though being the incumbent somehow helps you. If anything, it hurts you, i.e., voter fatigue. Secondly, why are we comparing Nikola Jokic now to players throughout NBA history as if Nikola Jokic now prevented them from being back to back MVPs? It reminded right, me of when right. Steph was unanimous exactly. MVP. And it was like, how is Steph Curry the first person to be unanimous MVP? Well, so, I, so Steph is. That, that so year Steph he was unanimous. Michael Jordan? He better than Jordan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He better than Green. Yes. Ah, ah, he didn't say that. Oh, nobody oh, said oh. that. Oh, this guy doesn't belong oh, with with the other back-to-back MVP winners. Like, why not? He was better than he was last year. Like, why, why would he not be MVP? A robbery suggests that Joel Embiid is the rightful owner of the MVP award. I realize this has happened two years in a row to him. So they're a little sensitive, they're, you know, they're a little edgy about it, but it suggests that Embiid is the rightful winner and that he has been wronged by some undeserving party who takes it from him. You're telling me a dude that averaged 27, 14 and eight doesn't deserve MVP. Come on guys. What are we doing? Yeah, you know, uh, look, you had three great candidates. We talked about it all year and I'm just really surprised I, I don't know. You you say it should it should be it should happen when it's not playoff season, Michael. I'm surprised that people with their team in the playoffs are are so invested in the MVP award. I think it's a great award. I'm, I'm not trying to diminish it. You know, it's not my favorite MVP. My favorite MVP is the one who's standing at the end. The Finals MVP. I love that. I love the list of Finals MVPs because oh, nowhere so you've, on that you've list amended that one. You've admit, oh, well finish that statement first. What did I say? No, 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 uh, wait, no, 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 finish out. No, nowhere on that list is what I was gonna say. Nowhere on that list you say. <laughs> well, okay, all right. Oh, that's your finals MVP for real. And like NBA MVP. Some of, nah. I mean, Iguodala comes to mind. No disrespect, Iguodala comes to mind. Hey, well, well, it, disrespect, take it. Disrespect. No, I mean, I, well, no. Well, you, you mean in terms of the pantheon of all-time great players? Yeah, I mean, he got it because listen, he slowed down LeBron James because they didn't want to give it to the loser. Let me niggas. tell you this. Let me tell you this. The low. I, I'm going to say the low end, the so-called low end, uh, the low rent district, the low of end NBA theory. Finals MVP. I've looked at this. Okay, maybe it's Igu- if you got Iguodala, um, Chauncey Billups, didn't Cedric Maxwell. Except, didn't except, Said Max. Yeah, okay, Palmer, I mean yeah. that's it. Okay, those, it's usually reserved for like, the. I don't. I don't know what the chicken and the egg is or what the cart and the horse is. I don't, it's usually the best player in the world. I don't know if he becomes the best player in the world once he is Finals MVP, or typically the best player in the world ends up leading the best team to a championship and in the process wins Finals MVP. What you said before, you, little nuance. You said before oh, that you thought what I say. You thought Finals MVP held more prestige than regular season MVP. I think it does. Now you're saying it's your it favorite. Does. No, it's my okay, favorite and, and both. I'm sticking with it. I'm still I'm sticking with it. It does have more prestige because it's just something about of, going against it, Yeah, it is really you're going against the iron and, you, and a lot of times it's not just a series. Sometimes it's like what you've done 
over the course of a playoff season. Usually marries up that way. Sometimes it's like one series, but often it's how you've done this. This is driving me crazy. I'm going to switch. I got two uh, IFBs. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say this and then I'm going to pass it to you. But a lot of times it's really, you know, over the course of a season, you're giving credit to a guy for what he's done and how he's been able to maintain in the 16 victories that his team has gotten to win the championship. And I think that means a lot when you're going up against, you know, the best in the league. Even if you even if you dominate in the first round, you're going against playoff competition. And I think that means more than, I know, 82 games. I do. Well, even though 82 games the post- is, a, is a rigor in itself. I'm not dismissing the post The postseason is essentially not just a postseason, but a second season, a separate season altogether. The postseason in the NBA might as well be it, it really is its own thing. It's its own tournament. We see the injuries play out and affect the outcome of the NBA playoffs year in and year out. This year is no different. Who's to say if Giannis and his Bucks or Embiid and his Sixers were facing the Warriors in the first round that the Warriors wouldn't have sent them home to. Okay. Right. I, I think part of the problem is the, is the term valuable. Valuable is far too subjective, no matter how much we try to use objective measures. Because one could argue value by person who does the most with the least, whatever that means. So that's right. Jokic, you know, for the most part. Uh, it could be based on whatever kind narrative of. you want to get excited. Kind, well, yeah. I would say so. I would say you had the worst team. Yeah, of the three but finals. I would say, look, the look, worst supporting say, cast look, of the three finalists. I mean, look, you know, so Jamal Murray out and then and Porter played what nine games this year. So nine games yeah. for Porter, no Jamal Murray at all, as opposed to dealing with no Ben Simmons the entire year. And then in February, but you I would get, still say, give me to James, you get James, you get James Harden, Harden. Yeah, or what's left up left of him. We'll get them in a second too. But I would still okay. take yeah. Tyrese Maxey or Tobias Harris, and at the time Seth Curry over anything that Nikola Jokic was running out there in the Western Conference. Nah, and he's still nah, nah. I really I would take Embiid's cast minus Ben Simmons over Nikola Jokic's supporting cast. But okay, I would wow. definitely take okay. even though okay. Lopez was out for a while, I take Middleton and Holiday and the Bucks supporting cast for Giannis. Over over Nikola Jokic, but okay. But what we, my point is, we can we can argue that we can argue that yeah. we can argue whose narrative you want to attach yourself to. Hey, he's the best player in the world, therefore he sh- he's the most valuable player by definition. If he's the best player in the world, or you could go based on seeding and who's got the number one seed and where they rank in their respective conferences. You can go based off of just narrative, like oh, he had to navigate the Ben Simmons fiasco. He had to carry the team without him. He's a whatever, whatever, whatever you want to throw out there. You could you could argue in favor of your MVP. It's that close typically and this year was the closest in recent memory, right? Is it just the term valuable that continues to trip people up is my question. No, should it be just player of the year instead of value because for the longest time if you just want to go strictest definition of value who was more valuable than LeBron James or before him Shaquille O'Neal or before him Michael Jordan if you want to talk about just value to a franchise that doesn't mean they had the best season. Yeah, you know, Mike, I, I you know, I, I like that argument. I want to keep the name. I want to keep MVP. I like the acronym. It sounds great. It looks great. It's important. Something traditional. So I don't want to change it. it. Yeah. I don't want to no, change. Uh, that's, that's probably going too far. I don't want to change it. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. I think it comes down to this. And 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 for somebody who has lived 
in primarily the Eastern time zone his entire life, save for a couple of months in Central Time. Shout out Chicago, just a couple of months. But I've lived in the Eastern time zone most of my life. I think it is an East Coast bias here. It's not value, it's eyeballs. How many people have watched Nikola Jokic play? I mean, you really got to be a hard. How many people in wait? How many people in Denver get to watch Nikola Jokic play? Even right. in Denver, like, like, yeah. I mean, you've got a team, as you pointed out, team finished with uh, the fifth best record in the Western Conference, and that came down to the final two weeks of the season. And for most of the season, you're thinking, uh, you and know, Denver won just be about the same amount of games. They, 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 they might want, they might wind up in the play-in tournament. They got to be careful here. So it wasn't a great team. It was a great player bringing that team as far as it could go as far as it could go. But you're not watching the Denver Nuggets. You and the Philadelphia won 51 it, games for those Denver won 48 but, games just for the record. Yeah, and it, here's the thing, the Mike, Mike, if you're writing for if you're writing for the Philadelphia 76ers like hardcore and you're a Joel writing Embiid fan. Or- Hey, oh, right. Riding. Okay. Yeah. Ride, ride, gotcha, ride, yeah. ride. Yeah. Okay, you're riding yeah. for him. You saw each of his 68 games. You saw all of them. You even saw the 14 games that he missed. And you know what he does. And man, like, oh, Embiid defensively, he's better than Jokic. Y'all don't understand. If you're that person, you probably haven't, don't have enough bandwidth to look at Jokic. Or, so or objectivity. Or, or even right. objectivity. I, or, I 100% or, agree or that. with that. Oh, right. That. I 100% agree with that. And it's not, listen, it's not that I don't even know what the voting breakdown was. We don't know how close it was. At least I haven't seen it. I don't know if you have. Maybe it hasn't come out yet. Maybe it's just Wolger's report, and that's all we got to go on. But it's not, it's not like I would sit up, and I know I once said, talking about quoting stuff that we said, I once said that you'd be crazy to vote for anybody else for NBA MVP. Yeah. And that's because when it was all said and done, and there was nothing left to say or do. Jokic led the league in player efficiency rating, win shares, box plus minus, value over replacement player, all per basketball reference. Dude averaged 27, 14, and 8 on 58% shooting from the floor, okay? Uh, and, and again, this is without Murray or uh, Porter Jr., and, they, and yet they went 48 games in the Western Conference, okay? But if you said, Michael, I don't care, give me Joel Embiid, the league's leading scorer, the most dominant, physically imposing big man in the NBA. Yeah. Sha- exactly. A guy in Shaq's yeah. body with Kobe's skills. Mm-hmm. I'd probably fall back off the you be crazy thing. And we've already talked about Giannis is the best player. Like, I, listen, if, if, I'm, if, if I'm objective enough, as much as I think Jokic deserved it this year, to say that it would not have been criminal, crazy, but not criminal, to give it to somebody else, my only problem is diminishing and devaluing and trying to act like the fix was in in favor of a guy <laughs> who took an MVP season yeah. and went to another level with it. You could you could think Embiid was your MVP without disrespect without disrespecting Nikola Jokic. That's all I'm saying. And that's why I hate days like today because if the guy ain't playing and he ain't accepting the trophy at, uh, pregame of a playoff game, they act like the writers got it wrong. And we're low-hanging fruit. We, I mean, yeah. I, I don't do it as much as you do anymore, but it's we're, we're yeah. easy target. Oh, the writers don't know what they're talking about. It should be the players. They don't as know. if the players l- oh, yeah. uh, lack <laughs> the bias. Players. No, as if they're they right. were getting hey, it right. We're all biased. Look, man, I, I just want to know what's going on. Thankfully, fans don't like, do I, it. 
Why don't why what's up with our unity? Why don't we have more unity? Joe Biden? Why isn't there more unity? I, I'm it's we, we're going at no, Jokic for back-to-back MVPs. We're going at Steve Nash, back-to-back MVPs. Is it because? Is it there? Is that what? Is, 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 is it? Is it? Is it? Like, dude, you sounded oddly like Dave Chappelle just now. That was weird. Is it there? Is it? <laughs> Why? Because that's because I'm dressed this way. That's what it sounded like. That's because I'm dressed this way. Oh, so officer. That's what it sounded like. I'm so glad yeah. I saw you. I'm so glad I saw you. <laughs> now I'll say. Now I'll say. <laughs> you sounded just like Dave Chappelle just now. No, but um. Oh man. Okay, up, so man? is it because like, they're is it because like they're, is it because they're white? No, I, no, I, can't, I it can't be that. They ain't it can't be that. It can't be. That. I think honestly, I think contrary to what both Joel Embiid. And Kevin Durant said on behalf of Joel Embiid, I think there are beloved players from iconic franchises that did not get it. And it was like, wait, whether it was whether it was Shaq or Kobe, you want to talk about people that ride or die. So Nash over Shaq or Nash over Kobe. That's not going to sit well. How about how about this? With no no ring to show for either. Yeah, see Shaq was with Miami at the time, but he's still an iconic brand. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Kobe, Kobe, and then Lakers. Put those two together. Right. <laughs> Kobe, Lakers. Right. And so you and then always have Nicole- people with some strong opinions. And then Nikola Jokic over Joel Embiid. I guess. I mean, there's something about Embiid. Dare I say it? That it feels like he might be the people's champion. So I, the idea that people don't like him or hate him is it was always ridiculous to me. This is not an anti-Embiid voting result. But if somebody is looking at Nick again, I, I I would go back to what you said a second ago. Somebody is questioning the legitimacy and the validity of Nikola Jokic as a back-to-back MVP. You simply don't watch Nikola Jokic and or don't know jack shit about basketball. And I don't know what to tell you. I don't see, know what to tell now you. You go there. See, that's that's the uh, not now you're going now you're going like to the to the, to the uh, like I like I played like I played no no our league, no generally our, that's a, <laughs> No, uh, uh, Hubie Brown, our league, you know, one of the best right. players in our league. But no, you, say, if, you know, you don't right. know anything about basketball. Now, you just, if you question the, just le- the legitimacy, the no, 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 no. I'm not shutting down an argument for Embiid. Don't get me wrong. I'm saying if you question the legitimacy or the validity of his award, I'm with you. You either don't know basketball. Or you're not watching Denver Nuggets basketball I, or, or you're too or you're too biased to see the forest this for the trees. So nice. That's he's so this, nice with it. So that so that's where yeah. I'm coming from. But uh, but in terms of so I don't know who, how to how to argue with somebody that does not respect Nikola Jokic at this point, given what he's done the last two years. Beyond that, whether it's about him being uh, a slow footed big white dude. I mean, it ain't like Larry Bird ain't got three of them things. It ain't like and, and he's universally respected. I mean, it ain't, it ain't yeah. like, uh, and, but, uh, and like, that's to me, he's, interna- he's international at that. Dirk Nowitzki got one. He was a bad mamma jamma. I don't, I don't think that people are upset today. I'm going to give people, Michael, this is naive of me. I apologize yeah. in advance for doing this, but I'm going to give people, by and large, the benefit of the doubt and, and, and basketball people, the people on Twitter, NBA Twitter, whoever, and not think that even subconsciously, this is not about Nikola Jokic being white. I I I'll, 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 I choose to believe better than that. I, I can't be that. It can't be. 
about my about my Can't fellow be. man and woman, right? Can't my, my fellow people. You, you, my fellow you, you, people. you really See, think I, that's got something to do with it? Well, I can say this. There, there's always been a, a little tension, even back when when Larry won three straight MVPs. Mm-hmm. Now it didn't happen immediately, but you do right. remember Dennis Rodman coming out uh, after sure. they lost to the Celtics. Yes, yes, saying, hey, yes, right. Yeah. You know, it, Larry, he's a good player, but yeah, you know, come on, what we're going too far. And so I think there, there's there's a little tension there. I hope it's so I a, hope it maybe, maybe an undertone, now. maybe an undertone. Maybe. I hope it's not there because it's, it's but you know what? To me. like we. We, we've talked about it all season long. This this result is not surprising. As a matter of no, fact, he was a favorite. No. He was a favorite most of the year. Uh, at late in the year, Jason Tatum started to get a little bit of chatter, but I thought it was too late. Yeah, uh, yeah that, was, that was top five. Went on yeah. a went on a tear. I mean, he was really playing yeah. at a high level all season long, but he went on a tear and he slightly yeah. went ahead. But for most of the year, start to finish, Nikola Jokic was going to be MVP of the NBA. You know what? You know what, Mike? You're right. I'm not. Like, I, we live in America. That goes both ways. There's always there, there's always people be like, why you bring up race with everything? Because race is always part of a conversation, whether we want to acknowledge it or not. When Steph Curry, okay, remember it was like Steph Curry here, and then like you know he could do no wrong, and then people started hating on Steph Curry, and now he's back to could do no right. wrong. Remember? Okay. So when Steph Curry yeah. reached his peak of popularity with the back-to-back and then unanimous MVPs. The people whose job it is to kind of course correct, they introduced colorism into the conversation Ugh. and talked about the past and and yeah. and and the the accolades that Steph Curry was getting because he was fair skinned. So if that could be part of the dialogue around MVP, then consciously or subconsciously, maybe there are some people out there that's just not comfortable with Nikola Jokic, given how he looks, even though he's an international player, being the best player in, in the NBA by definition of most valuable player that award. You look at those numbers black, white, green or other. That's honestly that ain't even human. That's an alien putting up the stuff yeah. that he's doing on, on a nightly basis. So yeah, I mean, but yeah, I'm it, still, you it, know I, what? I can't I can't dismiss it. You're right. I can't we can't dismiss you know it because what other explanation would there be for somebody thinking that Nikola Jokic robbed Embiid of an MVP for the second straight year and robbed him. Yeah, I'm, I'm still kind of mad over uh, at our guy, Michael Eric Dyson, over that Steph Curry thing. He wrote an article on, you know, that, was, that was Michael Dyson. Dark- that, that was him. He wrote one. He wrote one. He oh, wrote okay. an article about the whole. He explored it. Light skin, dark skin, quoting players on like, you know, could you be a light skin great player? And he quoted Kevin Durant saying, hey, when I first saw Steph, I was a little skeptical. And he had this whole article. I'm like, yo, man, you act like LeBron. <laughs> and when like Moses, how do how do how do we Bob define light skin? <laughs> Come on, I keep up with this stuff. I keep up with this. Come on, Mike. Congratulations, Nikola Jokic. I just wish they'd given it to him sooner, so we didn't have to deal with this. Dude's a beast. Embiid, you'll get yours. Where's the MVP? Embiid. Embiid will get a training day type thing. Lifetime achievement. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. 
Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you wish that, or would you welcome the the game be called a little bit tighter or is it playoff basketball? As Drew said, it makes men out of boys. This is what it is. Uh, wait, hold on. How much uh, does it cost if I take... Mr. Dan, is Mr. Dan here? No? Barry, uh, how much does it cost if I uh, say something, a comment about the ref? Is it 20000 It's a lot of money, eh? So I should not do it. I save my money. I got to pay for diapers. <laughs> Best player in the world still has not forgotten his humble beginnings. He does not take that money for granted. Kurt Heelan from ProBasketballTalk.com and NBCSports.com is here with us now. Um, I think the Celtics completely got screwed over with that Marcus Smart call. That should have been free, three free throws. But we'll get to that in a second. Giannis, best player in the world. We all agree. Kurt, Michael, and I were just, you know, dissecting it. You, you want to be careful not to put too much stock into what people are saying on Twitter and which tweets are highlighted or what have you. But what do you make of the reaction to today's news, which we all saw coming, that Nikola Jokic would join the 13 member now? back-to-back NBA MVP club. Yeah, first off, you know who should be pissed about this? Eric Spolstra and the Miami Heat. Like, now they got to oh. deal with angry and beat in a couple days, man. I don't yeah. want to be, yeah. like, he's going to yeah. take it out on them. I, The reaction, the, the initial reaction on Twitter and, and online and I guess on some of the talk shows and stuff, I, I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but the, oh, he only won it because of his advanced stats and his, Vorp and his EPM and all this. Like, I think you guys were just talking about this, man. If you watch basketball, like he's a 27, 13, and seven guy plus in all those categories. More than 27 yeah. points, more than 13 rebounds, more than seven assists a game. Best passing big man, incredibly high IQ player, lifted this team up to a place they had no business being, which is what you saw in the first round of the playoffs, right? Suddenly, like you could go up against a team that could focus and take some things away and was a good defensive team. You're like, oh, well, so much for that. Like, it's not that he's not great. It's he lifted these guys up to a place they didn't have business being. You can argue that, in, look, it was a hard decision. I voted for Jokic. In fact, I had Embiid third. I had Giannis Antetokounmpo second. And I flopped all three of those guys around over about the final month of the season. Like, it was really close. But I think the argument that, like, this was obvious is the one that bugs me. Because it wasn't, it wasn't obvious. And you can make the case for any of them. Let me ask you this real quick. I love. Why why does this bleed? I'm sorry, Mike. I just want to. Why does this bleed over into the playoffs like this? Like, can't they announce? Why? Why why drag it out and risk another player? Because it happened a couple of years ago with Giannis when he was in Greece and got the award, and people were like, "Oh, you know, like he's not. This it shouldn't be a regular season award." Like we have this. We have iterations of this conversation every single year because three of the last 19 MVPs have actually won the championship. So there's always going to be some question as to whether or not they're the rightful MVP. Why can't they just count the ballots? It's 2022. Does it really take weeks to count the ballots? Uh, well, yeah. The, the, you know, when you send in your ballot, you have to chisel it in stone and then ship it off. <laughs> so it takes a long time. No, I, I don't know, man. It's a, it's a drop-down menu where you've got to be worried about I'm like, did I make sure I selected Giannis Antetokounmpo and not Theonis Antetokounmpo? Like, you've got to make sure you get the right guy. 
Um, I think part of it is they've really struggled with this, and they like giving the award out when the guys are at home. They didn't do it with Jokic because they wanted to hold MVP off a little bit, but where the guys can hold up the trophy and they, hey, we can bring out Tyler Hero in front of the crowd and give him the sixth man or whatever. That works really well, except when the, the year, hey, Dirk won MVP of the year that the uh, Mavericks got knocked out by the We Believe Warriors in the first round. Like, right. it, it, it happens sometimes. They tried a couple of years ago. Remember, they were like, hey, we're and I think they might still do it. They, they had that TNT show at the end of the day. Hey, we're going to oh, do a yeah. whole awards yeah. play. But yeah. you can't do it after the finals and before the draft, because at that point, who cares about the regular season award, man? I'm, I'm going to argue about, you know, whether Chet Holmgren should be first or not, right? <laughs> like, yeah. it's it, they've never really timed this out well. And this was a, another example. It's just two of the guys are still playing and it's not the guy who won. And, and Michael, do you find so, do you find that the NFL it, does it feel the same way to you in the NFL? Because I mean, we just saw with Aaron Rodgers, he was at NFL honors, get another MVP, but not in the Super Bowl. I mean, and, and went out, you know, uh, with a fizzle in the playoffs. I don't know if it if it hits the same in the NFL or not, Mike. No, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. You know, I, I don't know if it's the uh, the red carpet event because it, it, basketball tried to do that too. They had an award ceremony. Yeah. Uh, a few yeah. years ago, remember when uh, James Harden won and, and uh, Westbrook won? He was there with his wife. It was a big deal. Uh, but yeah, football does feel different. I I, I want to know this, uh, uh, Kurt. Uh, take us inside the the uh, the healing kitchen there with the animals. Yes. Your Doctor Doolittle <laughs> situation. Take us in there. I, parrots will be landing on us, my shoulder soon. Yeah, that's right. And, and give us like your give us some like behind the music. Like let us know. Like why Jokic first? Why Giannis second and and Embiid third? Again, it was splitting hairs, but for me, like, and I, I literally lost sleep over this. I normally like third team All NBA is the one that gets me because, hey, pick between the sixth and seventh best forward in the league. It's, yeah. good luck. Um, and but there's money on the this line. time you could have, yeah, it's was really difficult because I think all three of them had a case. Ultimately, what it came down to for me because they all had these really great statistical cases was value to the team. And I look, no question. Joel Embiid had a huge impact on a team that didn't have Ben Simmons for a lot of the season. But I mean, we've talked about this. The second best player on the nuggets this year is probably Aaron Gordon. Who's is he better than Tobias Harris? I mean, he's, he's the fourth or fifth best player uh, on the 76ers. He's way down the list on the Bucks too. Like, they, I think Giannis is the best. I, I agree with you, by the way. Best all-around player. If I get to pick one guy to start my franchise around tomorrow, with all due respect, I'm just going to take Giannis because of his impact on both ends of the floor. But I think Jokic was more valuable to his team this year, and that's where I ended up going. It was, it was the plus-minus. It was how he lifted a team that really had no business being the number six seed. You saw that in the first round. <laughs> He lifted them all the way to not even being in the play-in. I thought that that was what made him you know, 48 wins. That made them MVP worthy over Embiid. He played. He also played more games than Embiid and Jokic, which um, I mean Embiid and uh, ended Kumpo a little bit. So I think that that helped as well. It's just in the finest of margins. But I, I mean, I I went back and watched more film on synergy. I did all sorts of stuff trying to trying to parse this out because it was so close. Well, uh, a lot can change in a couple of days. 
Let's move to the guy who is playing and his value now being highlighted by the difference he makes when he rejoined the team with the mask. And that's, of course, Joel Embiid. On Friday, Michael and I admittedly were talking like this series was over. Now, all of a sudden, it's 2-2. Thanks to the return of Embiid wow. and the resurgence of James Harden. I, wa I want to take those separately, if you don't mind, Kurt. First, uh, Joel Embiid and the difference that he has made uh, for the Sixers. But then secondly, James Harden becoming Houston Harden last night going off a of 16 in the yeah. fourth really felt like the night he truly became a Sixer. It might be temporary. We'll see if he can do it consistently, but I couldn't help but be happy for somebody who has been deservedly so much maligned for his playoff futility. I'm not sure. The funny thing is I don't know that you can separate them because without Embiid on the floor, not only was more asked of Harden, but the defense could treat him differently, right? They could be yeah. up on him and not pay a price because there wasn't the threat of somebody behind them that they had to deal with. And Miami was much more aggressive with him. He's gotten more space to operate because of Embiid. And with that space, the last two games, but particularly in game four, he was much better. You gave him a little bit of space and that allowed him to both quarterback the offense and he was just knocking down shots. I'm with you. I've got to see him do this on the road now. I've got to see him do this consistently over time. But just having Embiid on the floor seemed to open up Harden's game in this series. And he just seemed more comfortable uh, with that extra space. And as for the other part, Philly in this series, as Mike said, I, I thought they were done. I thought they might win a game. I expected to be 3-1 at this point. Go back to Miami. See you later. And now it's the best of three series and I have no idea how to call it. Are, are you stunned by that? And who you got down the stretch? I, I'm I was with you. I didn't think they could come back from O2 down. I just thought that was going to be too big a hole. And now, like you said, it's the best of three. It's the best of three without Kyle Lowry, uh, or at least looks like at least 100% Kyle Lowry. I will see if he goes out there, but Kyle Lowry has not looked right in this series and they have missed that. I mean, last game, Jimmy Butler, 40 points. He is efficient. He is literally doing everything. He might have been the best player on the floor and it didn't matter. It just, they were able to win. They can't generate enough without him. Either Kyle Lowry, Tyler Hero, maybe we throw Duncan Robinson out there. Let, let's let's give was, him some bruh. That's what I was going to ask you. The Heat are 14 of 65 from three yeah. those last two games in Philly. Seven of 35 in game four. Conversely, Danny Green went 10 of 13 from three the last two games. What, why has Duncan Robinson fallen out of rotation? What's up with that? I, I think they're not think they, they're concerned about his defense, right? Like they're concerned mm -hmm. about he's a matchup problem. But just between the three of us, is he more of a matchup problem than Tyler Hero? I mean, Tyler. Mm -hmm. Isn't so. necessarily a great defender either. He kind of they both kind of make up for their lack of defense with a little length. They're both kind of long and could try to do stuff. But maybe having both of them out there is a little bit of a problem. But at this point, you've got to knock down some threes. You, that's still the other big difference in this series. They just did not hit their shots outside of Butler, and they've got to. This is a team that's going to rely on Jimmy Butler and ideally Lowry to create half court offense. Bam was really good inside. But if you're not knocking down threes off of those guys getting inside, then then the offense isn't balanced. Sounds like you're going with Philly. I am kind of leaning towards Philly. I just I the, Miami really kind of threw me in this game. And I think not having Lowry, I just don't know where that stabilizing second 
force comes from. I, I, st I still think this is a seven-game series, so coin flip in that seventh game because you never know. Um, those are the games where, you know, suddenly it's game seven in 2010 and Meta World Peace is the best guy on the floor, and you're like, what? It could be one of those nights, but yeah. game sevens get weird. But that said, I'll uh, I'll take Miami right now. I mean, uh, Philly right now. I just I don't trust Miami. Well, back to Giannis, if this series is hard to call, I, I mean, how do you <laughs> Mike remember after game one, we were like, oh, there's the defending champs again. And then the Celtics come back and return the favor, flip the script in game two. And game three comes down to again. I think I, I, I don't know if you guys would agree a missed call or a, 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 a blown call like smart should have had three free throws. And even then they could have got a put back and won the game. What is Boston's response for both of you? Really, Michael? I know you obviously been watching. Well, you're watching all of them, but that one in particular closely. But Kurt then Michael like what is Boston's response in game four? Because they've, they've already responded once in game two. Yeah, I think they got to step up their defense, but you know what they got to have. I mean, this is really pretty simple. Jason Tatum can't have 10 points. Jason Tatum yeah, yeah. has to, yeah. if you're going to be an MVP candidate, this is where you step up and lead your team. He struggled last game uh, when they needed him. And look, he is still the best offensive player on the team. They, they just got to be, they have to have a better game from him tonight. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more, Kurt. Um, you know, Tatum and, and their two losses is 10 for 37 from the field. 10 for 37. And, and, and Mike, I like the way you said it. It's this series has been about punch counter punch. So uh, Milwaukee punched first. Boston wasn't ready flat footed. They came back in game two. Then Giannis went home after being like overwhelmed. They were all over him in game two. He went home and, and raised his game. So now Jason Tatum for them to win the game and ultimately the series. He's going to have to see if he's got another level to go to. Now most most players don't don't have that level that Giannis does. But if he has it, then then they can win the series. And by the way, Mike, uh, the NBA disagrees with you. You see that last two minutes report? They said nope. Call was called <clears throat> correctly. Wait, the NBA it last said, two minutes report said that? Yeah. Yes, it did. Huh? And, I, well, and, I, I, and, I agree and, that it would be unusual for the NBA to publish something that was not true. <laughs> hey, hey, <laughs> that, that, I'm telling you, dude, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, they that 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 was so obvious and it, but the NBA last two minute report said that was correct then went on a list a, a, a litany of errors and a final two minutes on both sides. So yeah, what do you do with that? I I, I, I don't see how like, just time and place. There is no way he is hunting for a foul sweeping his arms through with five seconds on the clock man. He's shooting a three. Yeah. Um, hey, last one before we let you go man is this all of a sudden, two-two series. We were. I was Michael. I, I was told that Luka Doncic did not have any help. And now all of a sudden, <laughs> they, the Mavericks are shooting twenty of forty-four, twenty of freaking forty-four from three, and we're going back to Phoenix two-two. What has Dallas discovered, or is that as simple as home cooking, role players doing their thing in, in, in friendly confines, or is there something deeper here, especially as it relates to one Chris Paul? Who to age thirty seven has not been kind to so far? No, it's 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 been two days. We'll give him a little more time, but yeah, it's it's not been. Uh, it's two things. It, role players are more comfortable at home. I think we'll see that with with Phoenix, but also Dallas was a top ten defense this year, and for the first two games of the series, they defended the arc, they protected the paint, 
and they let Chris Paul and even Devin Booker kind of like, hey, you guys want to run around the mid-range? Go for it. And they said, okay, we're really good at this. We're, like, they live in the mid-range. They got to their spots. They were able to get their shots relatively uncontested. In Dallas, the Mavericks were more physical, took away that space in the mid-range, challenged those shots. And what you got was not only Chris Paul just missing shots, was all the turnovers. They turned the ball over yeah. again and again, and and that got them in a lot of trouble. Dallas isn't going to change. It's it's. Uh, I think. Look, I still like Phoenix in this series, but it's on Phoenix now to make the adjustment and play better, and not um, not get Chris Paul some space, get Booker some shots, uh, maybe get some stuff in transition. They're going to need a little more out of DeAndre Ayton too. He was so good in those first two games, and he has he's just not been he's not been the same guy these last couple. Yeah, Paul has been night and day for these sons. It's not just all Chris Paul. I mean, uh, Mikel Bridges, Aiton, everybody's been struggling for the most part. But night and day from those first two games when he was absolutely brilliant. Some of those calls were were, were funky. I mean, you know, yeah. he, he he should that should be an offensive foul when he's running into people's space and, and they running up on his back. That should be an <laughs> offensive foul. But the one that he fouled out on was, uh, was a joke. You know, um, I just how, hey, do you, well, look. how do you how do you judge like how tightly that game was called and how tightly some of the other ones were called and then Bucks and Celtics is an MMA game and like not calling stuff like yeah. it's just all over the map right now. Yeah, yeah, it really is. It really is. Hey, Kurt, we appreciate you, man. You're our MVP. No, no, no guest appearance though. No cameo this time, man. That's a little, little disappointing. That's okay. Come on, though. man. We're the, like, we're not uh, animals. Sorry. You guys, sorry. Gonna... next time, next time I will make sure there's an animal up. in the room. I think this time I will. Uh, <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll have a crate or something, for in, something nobody expects next time. <laughs> don't put, don't put, don't put them in the crate on our account, man. We both got <laughs> pets. They're part of, they're no, part of the family. Now. Just, they were out back when it started, so sorry, man. All right, appreciate you, man. We'll talk to you later. Thank you. All right, Kurt. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Pete, if, if Drew Locke was in this year's draft, where do you think he would have been picked? I think he'd been the first guy picked, uh, of the quarterbacks anyway. He, he, he'd been the first guy in this draft. Um, I don't have any hesitation saying that. I think he'd have been right up there. You know, they, these guys understand what's at stake and, and uh, the, the comp of it all, and, and so they were really tuned in. Um, I mean, they're giving everything they got, everything they were doing, you know, from the communication part of it. Um, they're studying extra. They're getting in early. They're, you know, they're, they're trying to make sure that they put them themselves in the best position. It's, it's really obvious. So uh, uh, Gino has come back. You know, like we said, he has so much command of what we're doing that he just automatically is ahead. And so um, and he's, he's trying to ride that, you know, and build on that. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of the way he's taking to it. So we're really doing this. Hot Charles Robinson. We're really doing this up in Seattle. We're doing the Drew Locke, Geno Smith thing. No disrespect, but they're like the only team in the league, which is why everybody's trying to put Baker Mayfield in Seattle, that either right. isn't all set at quarterback or doesn't have at least a developmental prospect or, you know, you don't kind of know what they're doing. They don't have a plan. They don't look like a team with a plan, more or less. Or 
On the contrary, is that the plan? Are they just content to love the one they're with and punt this thing to 23? What are people around the league saying about the way the Seahawks are approaching their quarterback position? Well, they would have actually agreed. I, look, there are a number of teams that agree that Drew Locke probably brings more to the table um, than a number of, of the rookie quarterbacks would have. That his skill set. He definitely put um, he, he definitely put on for his city. Yeah, that's, well, my, that's still my favorite video of all time. <laughs> it's him rapping the young Jeezy on the sideline. That's still my favorite Broncos video recently. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Uh, for, just from a, but from a tool standpoint, um, you know, I think the things that Seattle liked about him when he was in the draft, none of those have changed. It's just, um, you know, I think they feel like he needed a reboot uh, when they made the deal um, and and brought Drew Lock in. Um, in that Russell Wilson trade, I talked to somebody in the organization said, we really like Drew and don't discount that Drew could be our starting quarterback in 2022. You know, I, I still think there, if, if Baker Mayfield, there was no cost to Baker Mayfield, I do think they would be interested in that. And, and what I mean by no cost is they pay virtually no salary and don't really have to give up any assets. I think if they had a fairly free shot at Baker Mayfield, absolutely they would take that shot. They feel like Baker Mayfield has talent. There's no question about it. They just don't want to give up anything in a situation where they feel like the Browns are going to have to figure out a way to part ways with Baker regardless. So, um, you know, I, I think right now they feel like if they're going into the season with these two guys, they'll, they're, they're fine rolling with it. But let's get through some of the passing camp. Okay, let's get through... Um, some of the passing program. Let's get through a mini camp and see, you know, if they're still as confident. And and frankly, I think they also know if this doesn't work out, we're going to be staring next year at a, at a pretty thick quarterback class where we like a number of guys. With with two ones and two twos, right? Yeah, I mean, they're, look, they're going to be a player in the quarterback. If they, if like I said, if this does not work out this year, there's no question in my mind Seattle will be a player in the quarterback market next season. Now, Charles, I know that the NFL has plenty of money, so we're not worried about paying any bills for the NFL. But let's just let's just pretend that the NFL is at the kitchen table having that that budget conversation. How do we make ends meet? And they're saying, "All right, who do we, who's going to cost us more in the next two to three years in legal fees? Will it be the Las Vegas Raiders or will it be the Washington Commanders? Who do we have to worry about the most?" That's a good question. It's, I mean, it seems pretty close. Well, I, I think another way to look at that too is if they stared at those two owners, they would say, um, who is the poorest between the two? I mean, Mark, Mark Davis is one of the most um, cash poor owners in the NFL. And I think that Dan Snyder, part of what has kept Dan Snyder in the good graces of the NFL is that he is able to broker um, some deals. He is in a region where um, politically, he's very connected. Mark Davis doesn't have any of those things going for him. And, you know, so I, I would just say, look, obviously the Raiders part company of the team president and on the heels of it, uh, you know, this individual comes out and says, look, I, I raised concerns to Mark Davis about the workplace environment and, and some things about him in particular. I, he, and I'm paraphrasing him here, but, um, you know, he said, look, I didn't feel like it was addressed. And so he turned to the NFL. That's remarkably... Um, uncommon to ever see a, a team executive that high up in an organization to essentially go over the boss's head. Now, right. I haven't spoken to someone there. Um, 
I think the feeling was he knew once he had brought, you know, whatever he had brought to Mark Davis's attention. Again, that's something that hasn't been aired out. I think he felt like this is it for me. I'm done here. Like I'm done in this organization. So it was really sort of a scorched earth situation um, when, when, you know, whatever the confrontation was that he had with Mark Davis, he felt like I'm done here, like I'm finished. And so going to the NFL at that point, um, you know, it was an, it was an element of, of recourse and maybe an element of, of retribution kind of knowing that he was fragged inside the organization. So um, the NFL is taking this really seriously. I spoke to somebody there uh, in, in the league office and they just said, you know, um, they, they're not revealing the nature of it, but they're just saying like, we're, you know, we're not going to sit here and, and considering what unfolded with the, the John Gruden situation, we're not just going to sit here and um, not investigate this and take this seriously. Take that for, you know, <laughs> take that for I what mean, you want when it comes to NFL owners. I mean, I, mean, I mean, the irony, just to recap, the investigation into the Washington commanders, toxic, and uh, work environment rife with sexual harassment claimed John Gruden because of his emails, mm -hmm. which Mark Davis would not have fired John Gruden, but for the release of said emails. And they always complained, how in the world does that organization's sexual harassment investigation claim our head coach on an unrelated matter and yet all this time this wasn't just a complaint about something going on in the Raiders organization. This is a complaint a complaint to Mark Davis about Mark Davis, Mark Davis right. and his behavior and here we are. I guess is the old song. What's the old gospel song sweep around your own front door before you try to sweep around mine. <laughs> I guess I'm just like they're, they're, in the court of public opinion. Neither of these dudes Michael to your question about Snyder versus Davis has any kind of credibility because I fully believe that they were cooking the books in Washington because Daniel Snyder would do something like that. And I fully believe that Mark Davis did something inappropriate. And, and when, he, when, the, when the whistleblower brought attention to it, he tried to uh, try to punish him accordingly. Like what credibility do either one of these guys have to stand on when it comes to their character is my question. Not really a question. It's more of a statement, but take yeah, it. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's a fair statement. And again, um, remember part of the cooking the books thing with Washington was what you had a team employee an ex team employee decades long uh, team employee um, who had parted company sitting you know in front of you know congressional committee sitting here saying um, we're cooking the books <laughs> and I can prove it and now you have essentially another high and a, I mean a team president to right <laughs> and uh, let me and let me let me say something for a team president to can and if this is now we'll see you know mark davis's lawyers there everybody's being real quiet about this we're going to find out exactly you know what confrontation took place but for a team president to essentially step to an owner and say this is serious it's aimed at you there needs to be some kind of resolution i mean like that is i frankly i've never heard of that happening you know before this is the first time i've ever heard of a situation like this where you have uh, someone of that level, that executive layer, uh, exiting a franchise, and then publicly saying, "Like, hey, you know, there was there was a big issue here. I confronted the owner about it. It cost me my job. And yeah, I did go over his head and talk to the NFL about it because it was serious. That's a that's a any any it's I would say any make up. <laughs> if you, oh, <laughs> you well, if there's and if there's going to be a defense, 
there's got to be some meat behind that defense. You can't just sit here and right. go, oh, it's not true, but we're not going to talk about it, right? Like, like this yeah, is right. this no is going to be public. <laughs> yeah, it's no, this is going to be a public one for sure. Yeah. You know, yeah, Charles, we're about uh, a month and change away from that period where the NFL traditionally gets quiet. You know, mid June uh, up until the start of training camps. I said traditionally because this year has been crazy. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Season was crazy. Offseason crazier. You think anything is going to happen in the next month? Is Debo Samuel <laughs> definitely going to stay with the 49? Why, why would you? Why it, would you ask that it, dude? Why would you ask this poor I'm man saying, this who doesn't get a break to, to jinx himself? With that big one. <laughs> He's going to jinx The big one is Debo. <laughs> He's going to jinx himself. Debo. Debo saying San Francisco. Say no. Everything's cool. Everything's cool. He's followed the 49ers. They're following him. He's good. Everything's fine, right? And just ask about the schedule release this week, could you? <laughs> <laughs> um, look, if you're asking me, I, I mean, I can't guarantee anything. I can tell you what everybody should be watching. Number one, watch Kyler Murray. Like, what is Kyler Murray going to do? Is he going to show? Still? Because look, there's, there's, yeah, absolutely. I mean, let's see, let's see oh. what happens when. Um, the full squad mini camp happens. Okay, let's see exactly. You know, a if Kyler shows, b the questions he answers. You know, kind of what the dialogue is. Um, I still think, personally, I believe that there will be an extension hammered out by the time the season begins. And I, I think if there is not an extension hammered out, I would I would squarely put Kyler in the Russell Wilson category of last year. We're like, okay, so we just waiting to get through the season and this guy's going to get traded. I would kind of look at Kyler like that in 2022 if there's not an extension by the time the season starts. Arizona is very optimistic. It's they're going to it's going to get an extension done. They're just like, hey, there's a process to this. It's a whole long offseason. It doesn't have to be done right now. Um, it's going to get done. So, but I would still pay attention to Kyler Murray. Um, I'm curious to see what happens with Odell Beckham Jr. because the Rams were very confident you know, speaking to some people in, in the organization, it sure seemed that they thought we're going to, we're going to be able to get a deal done with them in its time. I still think that's likely, but the longer this goes, the more there might be other teams out there kind of picking around going, Hey, maybe, you know, maybe you want to come here and give us an opportunity, you know, uh, on a, on a short term sort of rental situation before you enter the free agency market again. Um, Jadavion Clowney, I think it's done in Cleveland. But again, this is like how much longer this is going to drag on. And then obviously Baker Mayfield. Um, they're going to look the way Cleveland's operating right now. They're going to expect Baker Mayfield to show up for the full squad minicamp. Okay. The mandatory. Okay. Um, they're going to expect Baker Mayfield to show up for training camp. Okay. Like they're operating like we're keeping this guy in the fold and we're going to figure it out. One other thing too. Wow. One other thing. This is a good one actually. Um, I want to see what's going on with Trey Lance in San Francisco, okay? Because um, there shouldn't be, you know, there's starting to be this circulation out there that, hey, maybe part of the reason why, you know, they're fine keeping Jimmy G. And we talked about this early on in the offseason. Maybe part of the reason why they're okay with Jimmy G being an insurance policy is because they're still not 100% sure Trey Lance is ready to be a starting quarterback in 2022. That bears watching. It absolutely bears watching. So I, that's not the that's not what the 49ers want out there. They believe Trey Lance is ready to go. You know, we're going to move with this guy. But they, I don't know, man. I just I do think there's a there's 
definitely a possibility the organization looks at Jimmy G as an option that maybe they need to have, not just sort of a luxury that they'll carry. That was a hell of an alley-oop, Michael. So much for slow. You just emptied your notebook and yeah. wrote a column on live, whatever this is. You just, just, just wrote is. a column. Like, hey. like, like transcribe that and turn that in. What to watch for yeah. in the NFL if stuff. you think it's slowed. Charles Robinson, we love you, man. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. Good right, stuff, thanks, Talk to you. All right. Take it easy. Man, I, you know, coming up with ideas for columns was hard for me. <laughs> I was like, oh, off the top of my head, here's 10 he things. Just three just random. Here you go. Here you go. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. We just watched a replay. Uh, he, he was going after a dribble, and Jordan Poole actually grabbed his knee and yanked it, which kind of triggered whatever happened. So I'm actually going to be very curious to see what happens after that. Jaws obviously having a great series, um, you know, for something like that to happen, um, something that, you know, is somewhat controllable. Um, you know, Jordan Poole uh, reached out and, and grabbed his knee and it kind of put him in an awkward position. Um, you know, it's unfortunate. We are fortunate to have our friend Kelsey Wright Johnson uh, from the Just Grizzlies podcast, GrindCityMedia.com, joining us. And she's an objective journalist. That's why she does her job so well. So I'll just get to the play. How'd you see it? I think it depends on the angle. The Jordan Poole play? Yeah. I will say this. I don't think any play that has happened in this series any player has intentionally hurt anyone. And that's Draymond, that's Dylan, that's Jordan. Uh, I have to take the word of if Jaw says, hey, this is the play where my knee started hurting, then we have to believe that's the play where Jaw's knee started hurting. Do I think Jordan Poole went out and was like, you know what? Perfect. We're going to trap him with my left hand. I'm going to push him and then I'm going to yank it. No, Jordan Poole did not do that on purpose. Did Jaw hurt his knee in that play if he's telling us he hurt his knee? Yes. Is it unfortunate? Yes. But I think every foul that we've seen this entire series is, is unfortunate. And I, there's this weird dramatic, like, I don't know, like vibe in this series with fans, with media. And I think we all just need to take a deep breath and like injuries happen. It's crappy. Do we wish it didn't happen with jaw? Do we wish it didn't happen with GP2? Yes. But like, yeah, I, if jaw, and there's other people being like, no, I, I saw jaw land awkwardly in a play with like, if Jaws says that's when his knee started hurting, that's when his knee started hurting. I don't know why there's this weird discourse about it. Okay, well, I, if, I'm I may, if I may add, I, I just want to, I just want to add to real quick. What? Well, because the, the angle that Ja tweeted, it did look a little weird. Now again, I agree with you that Jordan Poole wouldn't intentionally do it, but the other angle, the side angle, it looked like he just like grazed him, like brushed up against him lightly on his knee. Regardless. Why did Ja delete the tweet? Do you have any insight into his mindset? And for that matter, on the subject of Ja, do you know anything about his availability? Technically listed as doubtful. Do you know if he's feeling any better? So why did he delete the tweet? And do we see him at all tonight? Is he feeling any better? That's a lot there, I know. But 
All right, I'll start with the juiciest thing. Uh, Taylor Jenkins and the team is keeping it, but it's not that juicy. It's keeping it very close to their chest. Uh, there was just a few minutes ago, like literally 30 seconds ago, a minute ago, there was media availability. Um, and they asked what Joss saw on the MRI. Taylor Jenkins said, we're still evaluating. Jaron Jackson Jr. said uh, the things that he did see on the MRI is unfortunate. He's saying, like, we're going to have to rally around Jaw. They did get more news, but they're not sharing it. Um, when asked if Jaw was warming up today, Taylor Jenkins said to be determined. When asked if J if Jaw was in the series, he said he's listed as doubtful today. That's all I can say. So they're keeping it really tight, really close to their chest, and uh, we don't have well, I guess they've had an MRI. That's the news. And they're just not sharing the results right now. But he is listed officially as doubtful for today. Uh, in terms of why Ja deleted the tweet, I have no idea. I think this whole, this whole broke the code thing, I know didn't sit well with, I mean, not only the Grizzlies players, Grizzlies fans and stuff, because this, this code is just, it seems arbitrary. It seems like a, a, a who knows what the heck this code is and where we're breaking it. So I think... Obviously, you know where those words came from. It was from Steve Kerr after game two. Why Ja deleted a tweet? I have, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think he maybe didn't want more drama. There's been, I don't know if you guys are on Grizzlies Warriors Twitter right now, but it is insane. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was saying, Kelsey. See, I'm guilty. I'm guilty. But see, this is the same guy who watches the real housewives of Pick your city. I'm watching it. You know, so maybe, maybe I'm inclined to go toward the drama, but it's there for me. And I, I like help me explain it. Okay, it's not just a deleted tweet. It's not just Steve Kerr saying broke the code. Uh, it's not Draymond coming out and saying what he had to say. It's even Taylor Jenkins. I'm like Kelsey. Help me understand this. Taylor Jenkins. That quote we played in the beginning, where he said. Hey, this is what happened. Jordan Poole grabbed his knee. Apparently, somebody asked the follow-up question. He said, I don't know what goes through you guys' heads. I'm like, coach, you just accused the guy of grabbing his knee. And a good reporter is going to ask a follow-up question. Why are you coming at us? So what's is it is it the water in Memphis? Is it the water in San Francisco? What what's going on as far as you can tell? Let's blame the water in San Francisco. I think <laughs> I think tensions are just really high, and I do think that started with uh, with game one, Draymond's foul on Brandon Clark. I think that kind of was the number one. The, the vibe in that changed. They were like, okay, flagrant two, not the best way to start series or a series in game one, and then game two happened. Three minutes in, Dylan takes another flagrant two, and so I think tensions have just been high. And then once Steve Kerr did the break the code thing, I've never, Taylor Jenkins is a, I mean, you guys have seen him all year. He's a true professional. He doesn't really get emotional. He always talks it out with reporters. Even after horrible losses, he's still there ready to talk. I have never seen him the way that he was hearing Steve Kerr's words, because I think it offended not only him, the organization to call not only a player dirty, not only a play dirty, but an entire team dirty. It turned into this weird, and again, I, you talk about dramatics. It turned into this weird dramatic storyline that it, it should be about the basketball. And unfortunately, it's become not about the basketball at this point. And, and, and that includes even this Jordan Poole play. It should be about the basketball. Jordan Poole did not go in thinking, you know what, at the end of the game, going to get Jaws knee. He went in wanting the ball. And he reached for the ball, realized what he had wasn't the ball, took his hand off. I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I know what you do know, 
and those that don't know it, they'll know it soon enough. And that's 20 and five. That's the Grizzlies record this year without John Morant. What if anything does that mean in these playoffs now against this Warriors team, given what we saw in the last game? Like, how does this team do just what it said? And that's rally around Ja and once again step up without their best player against arguably the best team in the conference, if not the league. Yeah, uh, I would argue that that was the Suns. However, that's a different topic. Um, I would say, you know what, during the regular season, it's also very different basketball than playoff basketball in, uh, it's not Oracle, in the Chase Center. Uh, So yes, in the regular season, they were 20 and five. Tyus was able to step up big time. He's, I think he broke the record for NBA history, right? An assist to turnover ratio. Like he's just a solid guy who can come in and, and have that, um, that role playing behind Jaw if Jaw's out. But that also means that the other guys have to play well. And a lot of them haven't shown up in this series so far. So yes, you have that confidence going in. Like, look, we've done this before. We've won without Jaw. But in this series, in this playoffs, Jaw has been scoring like 30, 40, 50% of the team's points. So I just think playoff basketball is so different. You want to have, I guess the thing is, when Jaw has the ball, Jaw scores or Jaw facilitates, they do tend to go after him on the defensive end. So it's going to be a different scheme altogether. You don't have to, you don't have to kind of hide any of your defenders. You can put five guys out there and then it's just going to have to be team basketball They're They've been out assisted so far in the, in the first three games that cannot happen today because you need the ball moving in order for all the guys to score. And I think also injecting Dylan Brooks back into the game, he was suspended in game three, injecting him back into game four is going to be huge, not only on the defensive end, because we know that he is this huge defensive stopper, but in the offensive end, Dylan's got to be able to score. Jaron's got to be able to score. Desmond's got to be able to score because you can't rely on jaw to score the last 15 points in the fourth quarter. Like he did it, you know, like in game two. You know, Kelsey, I know, I know jaw is, is most likely out. I, I think I'm just guessing that he's most likely out a game four. Despite that, I think the series is going seven games. You've been watching it up close. Is there anything that you've learned about Memphis or Golden State in this series that maybe you didn't realize before or you had thought that, but this kind of confirmed something you thought? Anything from this series that's kind of teased that out? I think one of the craziest things, and I don't have an explanation for it, so don't ask for one, but they've been playing each other's games. If you take away that 30-point blowout, like the Grizzlies just didn't play defense. The Warriors caught absolute fire, shooting like 70% in the first first half. Uh, But if you take away that game where like they they just lit on fire, they've been playing each other's games. The Grizzlies have led the entire regular season in points in the paint. The Warriors are doing that in this series. The Grizzlies were bottom in the league in three-pointers. The Warriors obviously like top five in that. And they've completely switched. The Grizzlies haven't gotten out in transition. And so I think they're doing a really good job, obviously just like executing. These are, I would argue, here's an argument. I would argue these are two of the smarter teams. And you can really see that um, with the adjustments that they've made. Like, I don't know, like Boston Milwaukee has been so fun. It's been so close, but the, the crazy differences from game one to two to game three has been wild to me. Like the style of play has completely changed. And you saw that with, like game one, the Grizzlies were getting smoked on pump fakes. They were going for every pump fake, trying to block everything. Game two fell for nothing. Game three, it's another thing now. Now they're throwing out a zone. And it's this has just been a really, I, I don't even, it's just been a crazy series because each game has been so different. Yeah. And back to the intensity. I mean, we just showed a headline from our boy Vinny Goodwill about this being a potential budding rivalry. 
I guess fast forward, Kelsey, like say, let's say the, you know, Jaws status notwithstanding, let's say this is a long series. Let's say it's six or seven games. If you could fast forward to that final horn and these two teams are leaving the court, do they leave with a respect for each other? Uh, is that tension and that intensity? Is there bad blood here? Like, how do you, wh what do you think is the, is, the, is the bigger picture when it comes to both these teams moving forward and this possible rivalry or just this matchup in the years to come? Grizzlies aren't going anywhere. Warriors seem like they've reloaded. This could be the first of, uh, of many iterations of this kind of rough and tumble series that we're seeing. Yeah, I don't think there's bad blood between the guys. Uh, Jaws come out a number of times and says how much he respects Draymond. Draymond's obviously close with the Michigan State guys and Jaron uh, and X. And then Jaron's actually like super close to Jordan Poole. Like they played high school basketball together. So I think, and of course, Steph and Jaw respect each other. There is a little bit of sh trash talking, excuse my language almost. Uh, oh, you, at can, the say, end you of can say it on our show. Oh, no, you can say it on this show. Uh, no, we're good. Oh, yeah. no, we're good. Trust me, I've said worse. <laughs> we got we got a uh, hey, hey Kelsey we got a we got a, a a parental sticker on our podcast we got like a warning yeah. on our podcast yeah, parental oh. advisory oh yeah okay well there was some shit talking at the end of the game yeah and I don't think that's a <laughs> I don't think that's a disrespect thing like Steph ha, like Steph and Jaw have exchanged jerseys like Steph respects Jaw Jaw respects Steph I don't think at the end of this. They're like, you know what? F these guys. I hope we never play them again. I hope they all fail. I don't think that's the case. I think personally, once they get off the court, once the series is done, everyone goes back to, I guarantee Draymond's going to be working out with Jaron and X in the offseason. I don't think it's as, yeah. again, with the dramatics, I don't think for the players, it's as dramatic as everyone on the outside has tried to make it. Kelsey was like, so I agree. It was that kind of party. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it's like a, so. So, just for the record, I, I mean, you are wearing a uh, Memphis Grizzlies shirt. It's a great shirt, but uh, yep. do you agree that it's going seven? You think this is going seven or six? Because Memphis could win it in six theoretically. Let's go Grizzlies in seven because I'd rather them win at home. Okay. All right. Well, you won for one so far. Last time we saw you, you had the Grizzlies in six over the T-Wolves. That came to fruition. Uh, we'll see if you're... Uh, that was a great series, continues. too. And we hope to see you again. Even if, even if the Grizzlies lose, come back and join us again and, and, and cuss some more with us. Because it's that kind of <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate oh, it, guys. Kelsey Wright Johnson, we appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thanks for making the time, and we'll talk to you soon. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Yeah, I mean, as a basketball player, we win, we doubled them. Um, and I hit the ball and I was going for the ball. I mean, obviously, you don't want to see anybody get hurt. Um, I'm not even that type of player. I respect everybody, so... I mean, obviously, hopefully we get better. Hopefully he gets better and, um, you know, we can see him out there next game. But, you know, I don't even play like that for real. That's not my type of game. I don't think 
there was any malicious intent from Jordan. I don't even think he's strong enough to affect somebody's knee, but we're not out there trying to hurt people or trying to club people in the back of the head on a fast break. We play the game the right way, and I'm going to have his back because that's, he's not out. He's No. There's nothing malicious about what Jordan did. There's no comparison to what Dylan did or Draymond, like nothing in that vein. Um, so it's not a joking matter. Jaws hurt, but all the rest of it is just total BS in terms of the conversation right now. All right, listen, like we heard we heard the Warriors talking about this and Marcus Thompson, the second very talented writer and author columnist media personality. Look, the reason we're having this conversation, you can make the argument. We're having this conversation about drama and all this other stuff, all this other noise. It might go back to Steve Kerr with broke the code. Yeah. Once Steve Kerr said broke code, everybody was like, oh, what? Oh, oh, for real? And so that's where the isn't that where the edge is really coming from? Yeah, probably. I could imagine the Grizzlies organization didn't like that. But also, I mean, universally speaking, anybody's in the air, you just get hypersensitive about it. Like that's just what it is. I don't I don't know, man. My two inch vertical don't really afford me the opportunity to know what that's like to be in the air and get fouled from behind like that. <laughs> But from people who I know with Hops who talk about that, they 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 do call it that. This just feels like a playoff series, man. I kind of miss this. I, you know, I, I haven't been in this for a couple years, so this this remind me of you know you know <laughs> Cleveland and Warriors back in the day. You know, what I'm saying Clippers Warriors. It ain't a real series until somebody's trying to get somebody suspended. Apparently, nah, I like it. I, I dig it. Um, meanwhile, though. Warriors put up a buck 42 in the last game uh, and the only problem that they've had this series is doubtful for tonight. If not the remainder of the series, did the Warriors more or less separate themselves in game three from the Grizzlies? I think that's what part of this is about, right? <laughs> they, uh, you know, they left game two. I remember leaving game two of Memphis, like, you know, there was this sense like, uh Oh, the Warriors were in trouble. And it was like, wait a second, you know, they won game one and quite nearly won game two despite a, you know, a poor game. So it's like this series may not be as close as people think. So I do think uh, Memphis kind of realized what we all kind of forgot about, man. It is different taking out champions. Like you just don't get to walk in and beat a champion. Like they're going to, they're, they're, they're going to be a tough out. So now you look at it, John dropped 47 and they, you know, an 18 and a fourth and got them game two, like that's the difference between them being down 3-0. So all of that kind of hype going into this series, it's, it's looking rough now for Memphis. You know, they didn't get swept, so that, that's a good thing. But, man, seeing this go past five look a little tough right now. All right, now listen, I, I like what you're saying here. Now you called them very uh, instinctively, very smoothly. You called them champions. You also yes. said you hadn't been here in a while. So they had a couple of trips to the lottery before getting back here. I know they got championships on their resume. You still you look at this as a continuum two year pause. They're back and you look at this group here uh, still as championship contenders. It, you know what I'll, I'll keep it, it, it depends on the field. 
sometimes it feels like a completely new iteration. But for this series, it feels like a continuation because they played Memphis in 2015, right? Because it was like a re it's a revisiting of kind of the dynastic beginnings. I mean, the truth is, as long as you got Steph, Clay, and Draymond, this will be a continuation for them, right? And I think that's the part that's so jarring in this series. Like, it's Steph, it's Clay, it's Draymond. They're still incredibly tough to beat. They still perform at this incredibly high level once the playoffs kick in. We hadn't seen it in a while, so it does feel like a continuation. But then you got guys like Jordan Poole, right? Like, this this is brand new, so there's a little bit of a, a newness to it. I think this this whole season has been about merging this dynasty era with the new breed. They've done it actually pretty well. We're seeing it now, but I'm, I'm torn. Look, when Draymond, if and when he wins the championship, they're certainly going to act like this is a continuation of their dynasty. So I'm, I'm going to go with them on that one. But, man, sometimes it does feel like a completely different team even though the top players are still there, including Iguodala, who I always forget about. So I think it was, uh, I think it was Jason Jones pointed out the Kings are tapping into some of that Warriors championship DNA for the fourth <laughs> time since 2013. Yeah, they go in is going there again with a Warriors assistant, Mike Brown, who, who's certainly been around the block quite a few times, respected assistant coach, former head coach at a couple of stops. Of course, most notably Cleveland. Why? Yeah. Why do you think Mike Brown will be able to solve uh, the puzzle that is getting the Kings back to the playoffs for the first time in forever? If he is the man, I mean, yeah, I was about to say I mean, it, might, it might not just be one man's job. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Hey, listen, I'm going to put that if, much on this one person's shoulders, you right? Know? Like this is whole. That's too much for one man on. to bear. <laughs> Look, if Mike, if if it don't work, right, Mike get to wash his hands like pilot. Like, hey, <laughs> I had nothing to do with it, right? Yeah. So, but if he pulls it off, he becomes a, a legend, right? A hero. I, I do feel like, you know. Playing, you know, being with the Warriors and being with the championship, you know, Lester, it'll it'll bring some draw with them, right? It'll bring some some uh, some prestige to him. I uh, also think he's been through this before, building a team from nothing. Now, mind you, he had a dude named LeBron James, so you know, maybe you and I could build something from nothing if you got LeBron James. But the processes of becoming a winner, and, and I do think that's what the Kings need. They need somebody to just take that that next step, right? Like first step is becoming good and consistent and, and, and making the playoffs. So he's got some foundation pieces. I do think because of what his name has become, because of who he's connected to, like, you know, the, the stench of that Lakers situation ha has died a lot. I do think when he makes a call, people will come. And and that that is as important as anything. Who does he get on his bench, right? Who does he get working with him? Uh, how many... Can he pluck a couple of players from the Warriors even, right? You know, Vivek, if, if, if he hasn't shown anything else, he's shown, like, he's trying to take from the Warriors' treasure chest, right? Like, he wants to rob the Warriors of anything he could get. Like, Mike <laughs> Brown might walk out of that joker with some Warriors staplers and notepads just because that's how you do <laughs> it, right? Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Whatever you can some take from the Warriors, you take it. <laughs> so, yeah, I would, yeah. hey, man, does he, does he try to poach a couple players? But you know... When Mike Brown picks up that phone and says, I need you to come with me, he's going to be able to get some top-level uh, assistance because mm. he is Mike Brown. 
but you know, you know what, Marcus? I'm I'm just so fascinated with this story. I had to look twice. Right. When it said Mike Brown after seven years with Golden State, I was like, really? Was it seven years? <laughs> Facts. There, I mean, that that just Damn. went so fast. But I think it's so smart the way he did it. Um, he was a really good coach. I mean, you look at his his yeah. winning percentage. I know he had LeBron on stuff, but he didn't have LeBron. They 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 came up. He he took pretty much one of the worst teams I've seen to the finals with LeBron in 07. He, he did a lot of good things as a head coach. I think it's smart to take that step back and be there, stay there for seven years, and then get another opportunity. What I mean, what have you seen? Can you tell us like anything about him personally that will make him at least relate to a player uh, or, or get a, a player's attention? Anything about Mike Brown? The man, personality-wise, that will make him a good fit for the Kings. Man, Mike Brown has figured out life. Man, people don't <laughs> people don't notice about Mike Brown. First off, that dude been collecting like three checks for years. Like he played this game so perfectly. <laughs> you, know, you, know, game. you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I like this. I respect that too. I respect. Right? Hey, if, if anybody go, if if your coach pull you aside, be like, hey, let me, let me tell you how to get this money. And it's Mike Brown. He was like, yo, I was getting paid from the Warriors, Lakers, and Cavs all at one time, right? But I, I do feel like, you know, remember Mike Brown, when he left the Lakers, it was all bad for him, right? Like, his name was kind of in the mud. But, like, he has seen what the bottom looks like, and he's seen what the tops look like. And I, and I do feel like that gives a, a coach a certain perspective. And I also feel like he's not he's not in a championship or bust situation either. Like, he's get time, he gets time to slow cook his situation. It's not the pressure of you got to win right now. It's the pressure of building something. I, th I just think he's learned a lot. He's a really solid dude. He's an honest guy, right? He's going to tell you like it is. Uh, he, he is he is very old school in that sense, but he's also got like that new blood pers personality with him. I do feel like the fact that this dude is a is an OG of OGs, right? He's been around the blocks. He's got a resume. You know, he rides Harleys. Like, dude is just different, man. Like, he he's really? super smart, right? Yeah, Mike Brown was terrible out of here Harley's in a heartbeat. And right. Yeah, like, he just like, man, Mike Brown is an OG who figured out life. I do feel like players will be like, hey, hold on, man. I like I like sitting at this dude's feet because he's got some he's got some intelligence about him, man. That that stuff matters when you're building something. I think he I think he knows the difference now between hey, I, I get the time to work, I get to do my thing, and you pick Sacramento, right? Like you going from Ashy to Classy, you already know you you got some time, right? You ain't got to win a title in yeah. two years, man. You just well, got to make the play. One would in. think. One would <laughs> think. Well, you got exactly. Some time, one would yeah, think. You know, yeah. So look, Thompson. I know you have it all the time. You probably have it at least once a week, if not more. But you ain't had it with us. It's time for the Mark Jackson conversation. You got to, oh, yeah. like, you, yeah, you got to explain. I mean, that's the mystery is when, if at all, Mark Jackson's going to get another opportunity to coach. You know what he meant to the foundation of the aforementioned Warriors dynasty. What's your read on Mark Jackson's coaching prospects, if any? We've seen he's interviewed a few places. The Lakers, uh, he was a finalist for the Kings yeah. job. I think the Hornets might have interviewed him as well. What's your read on his situation? I, I do feel like he was really close. You know, I do feel like this came down to, you know, one of the situations where, if the owner just wanted to Debo everybody, <laughs> right? He'd, he'd had a he'd had a gig, which is progress. This might be like on some uh, Barry Bonds Hall of Fame situation, right? Where you just kind of got to wait it out 
and you just got to keep going and keep going and then let the Veterans Committee put you in. I do think at some point what this situation, like what being right there at the altar is showing, that at some point he's got to address publicly like all of the issues people have with him. And, you know, it feels like he might be doing some of that stuff privately. He's certainly doing enough to keep getting interviewed and, and, and being a finalist. So maybe pe what people are hearing from him is showing like wh what they've heard about him may be addressed. But I do think mm -hmm. he's running into the situation where even if the team wants him, now you got to deal with the bad PR from hiring him, right? That, that has gone unaddressed. So whether whether it's real, whether it's not, whether it's all exaggerated, who knows? The point is, whenever his name gets mentioned in a situation, there's a segment of the fan base like, no, not that guy. So I do think he's so close where it's probably time for him to address that because it seems it like that's faith? the only hurdle. Is it, it seems faith? like it's what everything. It? Okay. It's, it's, it's a little bit like, but that's the thing with Mark Jackson, right? You could kind of... Like he's such a uh, like a polarizing figure he's become. You can kind of pick yeah. a thing. Some people don't like how you know his religiosity about it and how overt he is with it. You know, some people don't like him because of you know comments he's made in the past, and you know they're connected him to homophobia. Uh, some people saw how he just super clashed with management, right, with the Warriors front mm -hmm. office and ownership group, and you know he's got yeah, like ultra for Gordon and Secret. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. There, you know, depending on who you are, you might you might grab on one of them. And I do think some people just don't like him as an announcer. But but what 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 to me, I think what in the end will outride all of that is he took a, a franchise that had won the playoff series of forever, and, <laughs> and and he got them to another level, right? And he's got Steph, gave Steph Curry the ball, Draymond, exactly he gave him the ball, Draymond, like. Yeah. Yeah. And, and those dudes yeah. champion him, right? So at some point, they're what they say will have some weight. But I do think he was right there. This was this was really close to being his job. But I do think there's the PR element that needs to be addressed. So uh, it, it might take another run at it for him to get it. I think. Yeah, uh, you know, you you mentioned a lot of things that people have said about Mark Jackson. I bet you. <laughs> Nobody has had the conversation that Mike and I did very briefly until I backed away from it. We we're talking about remember this Mike. We we're talking about pure point guards and I was like, you can make oh. the argument <laughs> <laughs> that Mark Jackson is up there as a pure point guard. I said, nah, I couldn't like, do it. I was going all time Marcus all time like top pure what? point guard five top yeah, ten. Right. I know I, uh, you ain't saying I, I, I mean, I may as have long gone as top magic, five. I think I may have gone top five. I'm back in the Is Magic number one? Can we? Is Magic number one for your point guard? Yeah, Magic's one. Magic's one. Okay. Magic. Magic's right. got one locked up. Uh, but yeah, you, you answered my other question because I do remember. <laughs> I do remember uh, Steph saying uh, it was. It was some situation where Mark Jackson had had said publicly he voted for somebody else's MVP the year Steph won it, and somebody yeah. went back to Steph and said. Oh, he said that. That's real interesting. He seemed to—he he seemed to have some feelings on it. So they're all good. Mark Jackson and Steph, Mark Jackson and Clay, Draymond—that's all solid. Yeah, yeah. That you know, even the uh, Steph Curry ruined basketball. I remember asking Steph about that. He was like, "I mean, I know what he's saying, but you know, there was a wince. Like, uh, but I mean, just as recently as like 
three weeks ago, him and Draymond were on a podcast together raving about how they can't believe Mark Jackson doesn't have a job. So whatever it is, they want him in, right? And they 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 feel like he deserves a shot. So as long as they're 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 still championing his cause, that's for sure. I mean, obviously there are people who aren't, but it's just interesting to see the value being placed on on, on, on like how this works, right? Like you know, Steph and Draymond and Clay and Andre Iguodala is like, yeah, man, this dude made us. Like, like we got we 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 became who we are because of him. And then you have this other segment that's like, yo, he he is not it. And which one wins, right? And Sacramento became a test case for who had the most power. And because Mike Brown was there and he's such a qualified candidate, it was easy to kind of back off of. But or maybe not easy, but there, there was an out there. So I'm curious about how the Lakers handle it, right? Because now yeah. Mark Jackson's going to be all in the mix with the Lakers, and if there's no easy kind of obvious answer, do they do like do they just grow with it? This is going to be interesting to watch. Uh, well, I mean, it depends on who you ask, because everybody and their mama got a voice in the coaching search in LA. But let me ask you this: um, We were talking about this earlier <laughs> when it came to Steph Curry, speaking of his MVP years, um, and you remember this? You remember the uproar? the backlash yeah. when Steph was unanimous MVP as if it was some kind of an affront and offense to all yeah. the great players in NBA history that Steph Curry was the first unanimous MVP in NBA history. I don't know how deep you've been on NBA Twitter today or the internet or whatever, oh, but yeah. we were talking about this earlier. The reaction to Nikola Jokic being back-to-back -back MVP is similar. It's like, how is he back-to-back -back MVP? Well, because he was better than he was last year. and He was the best player in the league this year. He may not be the best player in the world, that mythical title that Giannis occupies, but like this is a deserving, yeah. rightful, legitimate, valid MVP being back to back. What do you make of the voting? And more important, I guess, for purpose of this conversation, what do you make of the reaction to Nikola Jokic being MVP for the second straight season? Yeah, to me, this we're just out of control now, right? And part of the dialogue that's problematic is if you believe Joel Embiid was the MVP, and I would have voted for him. I don't have a vote, but I would have voted for Embiid. That somehow means Jokic is trash, right? And it's like, yeah. what are you guys <laughs> right. talking about? Like, this dude is incredible, right? Like, right. like you know, right. take your pick, whatever. Maybe it you can know, only one, be one. You... <laughs> yes, it's like there's one, and then everybody else is awful, right? Like, to me, that's that's the part where it's crazy. I, I'm just, I, I feel like I, I want a panel, man. I want like the most like inscrutinizable collection of basketball like, minds to like choose this Illuminati? stuff. I don't want it to be in the head. Yeah. Like, like, like let's do the man. Illuminati. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> let's get Dr. Strange in them. <laughs> no matter what we do, people going to have a problem with it. I don't even vote anymore, but this idea that the media is controlling it, I think it's part of it it makes it very criticizable, right? But if you got yeah, yeah. a panel of legends and people who are like, you know, above reproach when it comes to basketball mm. mindset, mm. now what you gonna say, right? When they say, mm. when Dr. J and them say, <laughs> right? Like when, when Shaq and this they say, like the be, that's not bad. That's not bad. Yeah, like, like if you take Bill Russell. We don't Russell, need to be doing it. You take Russell, Kareem. Let's, let's do this Illuminati. No, you wouldn't put Russell in career. Okay, Michael saying no. Okay, no, I'm wait, saying, wait, I'm who, saying, who, who I, you putting put on it? Oh, I put him in there, but I'm saying even with the Illuminati, he would be like, "Oh, they when's the last time they played the game? They don't right, understand right, right. the game." Like, let's diversify, <laughs> man. Let's like let's get a let's put together 20 people from 
all of this, right? And you know, so it ain't like Oscar Robertson hates so some contemporary you know? people. <laughs> yeah. Wait, so let me ask you this: do you, do you only get do you only get stars, or do you get some scrubs too to have a diversity of thought as well? Or right, that would be yeah, that would be former man, MVP. Can we create? Can we create an SAT so you could be on this? Like you got to get a degree or something. So you no, can be I think it should be. You know what? Mike Shashevsky, Jay Wright, and Roy Williams ain't doing nothing. I put them on it too. Like I just get like like basically we got a college football playoff committee. We got a we got a right? we got an NCAA tournament selection committee. Wow. I'm feeling this. This is this is on, problem on, solving, hey. think tanking 101. This It's a reality show trying to pick them, right? Just create a TV show like yo, who's gonna be the 20? And we could we could follow that all. Matter of fact, I think y'all should host. Uh, listen, I, I'm down with it. I, I think like it'd it. be fun. <laughs> I think it'd be fun. But if our end game, if our end game is to calm down some of the noise, it's a fool's errand. It ain't gonna happen. We just live in that. You said yeah. it right, Marcus. It, it's we yeah. just live in a time where it's it's an extreme. If he didn't win, and I wanted him to win, everybody else sucks. Everybody who voted for him sucks. Y'all don't know what y'all talking about. Y'all know what y'all looking at. That's just people will do that no matter who's in charge, no matter, you know, what the voting process is. Yeah, facts. Can we at least then if we're going to have the situation where somebody wins an MVP like Jokic, right? And like the world goes crazy because he doesn't deserve it. Right? Can we at least go back to giving the MVP his trophy at home so he can at least have that moment. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, let's like just Yoke, get, let's Yoke do it right after the season. Let's yeah, just do it right after the season. Too. Why it takes so long to count ballots? Like we're in 2022. This should be overnight. That's like right. your ballots are due a week after the season and then the next day we announce that sucker. Like so that way right. we ain't got to have the, co- the conversation about like, oh, well, it should include the playoffs. No, it shouldn't. It's 82 games. There's plenty enough of a body of work to be MVP. And we understand that finals MVP is its own thing and it has nothing yeah, to do with who the best get... player in the world is who had the best season. I really want to get this from you Marcus uh, because I know you know uh, we, uh, Michael mentioned Steph Curry and, and unanimous MVP and there was some yeah. noise around that. You saw it up close. How did he handle it? Did he acknowledge it? Did he acknowledge the noise <laughs> or did he was he just like hey, I'm good. Thank you and keep it pushing. Nah, step up. Steph never acknowledges it. He just writes it on his heart, <laughs> right? He's just like, okay, I hear y'all talking, right? It, Pop's training well, right? Like he he knows what's up, but nah, he Steph always, if publicly especially, he's got to lean towards the appreciation piece. But when he did start a film company, guess what he named that Joker? <laughs> Unanimous, Unanimous media, right? Like <laughs> he ain't like he he heard it and he hears it all. But I think he just opts to to go with the people who who ride with him instead of giving voice to the critics. So one thing Steph understands is at some point they'll all be 65 and they'll be at some banquet and, and all the stuff will be fun to revisit. And it won't be the like enmity that that is kind of created right now, right? Like him and Ja are going at it together. At some point he's going to put his arm around Ja and be like, man, you were incredible. Like you had me scared. Yeah. You thought, I, you know what I'm saying? Like th- th- that's what he sees. And I think he gets that from his father, but yeah. Privately, though, he was like, oh, okay. You know, he heard all the comments. Remember when Oscar Robertson was going in? Like, all you got to yeah. do is press up on him. Yeah, he, he hears all of that <laughs> stuff. Trust me on it. <laughs> like, Yo, man, oh, yeah. It's, and it's, like, Oscar, it's so much fun. Oscar, you was, 
Oscar, you was doing that back in the day. You were pressing up on YouTube. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> it's so much fun to talk to you, Marcus, man. Let, let's work on this uh, this MB, NBA MVP Illuminati idea. I'm, I'm with it. Like, let's just, let's try our best to take it out of our hands because we are low-hanging fruit in the media. They always think it's a conspiracy anyway. So, and get it, to come see up you, with a great, tattoo great that shirt they can too. put right behind the ear. Tattoo right behind the oh. ear, let you know you in. Oh, okay. Like like blade, like blade or something <laughs> like a yeah. like a marking. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> All right, man. Nice shirt too. I appreciate y'all. We'll talk to you later. Thank you, bro. All right, have All a right, good Marcus. One. Thank you. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. I guess the part I can't get over is that little knucklehead Mavericks quote-unquote fan acting all shocked, appalled, surprised, terrified, victimized, you know, when Chris Paul's letting him know you didn't go on too far. You didn't put your hands on the wrong person. Mama, I'll see right. you later. Look at the look at the look of shock on this kid's face. Like, oh, my God. Like, what What do you mean? What, what, did, I, what, did, what did I do? And I don't know who this woman is escorting him. Like, you ain't the victim here, partner. Good for Chris Paul. <laughs> right. I, you, you know how I feel about these fans, these unruly fans. Yeah, man. You know how I, I feel I about them. I didn't told you. Yeah. More of them need to be dealt with. More of them need to be dealt with. And I'm glad to hear more people saying that. You got to go to the extreme to combat their extremism. Yeah, I think their premise is all wrong now, man. Like they haven't, like everybody else has adjusted to the times, but some fans, I'm not saying all, but some fans haven't adjusted. And, and it's probably in the last 10 to 15 years where we still had this thinking of people would go to games and Mike, they think they could do, they wanted to poke the bear, but only to have a bear respond, but the bear's not going to attack. Okay, you just go right. respond. You want you go upset them a little bit. Hey, I got a response and you can keep going, but it's not like that anymore. You can't at some point. They're that going to respond to you. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. right. <laughs> they go respond to you and then you might you might wind up leaving. You might wind up getting kicked out or losing your tickets or season tickets or what getting ass kicked. It's just like yeah. it's just like a whole it's like a whole mentality that is so passe. It's gone now. Like there used to be a guy. You ever hear this guy? Um, uh, and, and Gary Gary Carter would know his name. Was it was it Robin? Was it Fickers? Uh, he, he based yeah Robin Ficker. So he was a fan at, at Washington games. He was a lawyer mm -hmm. and he sit behind mm -hmm. a bench. And he would just like say all kinds of stuff and he'd be like reading stuff trying to annoy players and and people found it entertaining, I guess. But I don't know if that guy flies today or even the legendary and Look, Vinny has talked about him. Leon the barber in Detroit. Sure, and, sure. No, no, they, that Here's players have a platform now. They're not dealing with that. But it's again, just, you know, I like to you know, I like to extrapolate this thing. Okay, let this be a lesson yeah. to all of y'all. Because everybody's somebody's mama or somebody's right. sister or somebody's wife or somebody's family. Okay, right. And you say the wrong thing and put the put your hands on the wrong one and they gonna want to see you afterward. 
Chris Paul is all of us. Okay, everybody sees itself in Chris Paul and I don't care how old or how innocent that little boy wants to look. He ain't no little boy. You've grown enough to put your hands on somebody. Mama, you grown enough to get these hands. It's really that simple and hopefully he learned his lesson. Hopefully this changed his life for the better. Hopefully this is a turning point in that young man's life and anybody at home watching man. realizing that you too could get this work. Bro, it does not almost had, I almost had jury duty today. You talking like that. I'll be talking about you <laughs> like come on. You can't be doing that. I'm telling you man. You can't be touching people mama. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to keepitfunohio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.